Well, great messages this morning. I'm kind of like the, the afterthought up here after all that good stuff we've had this morning. Good morning. We, uh, I've had a good week this week. I had a, uh, <clears throat> a good week. We were in, I was in Lubbock Monday through Wednesday of this week at a pastor's retreat for pastors of the Northwest Texas Conference. And so I had a really good time uh, networking, spending time with some of my colleagues we had a, a really good guest speaker, and one of the things the guest speaker spoke about was just kind of the landscape of Christendom in America, and he was comparing, you know, the state of the United States to what Europe was maybe 50 years ago. Everybody in the room is aware that in Europe, Christianity is all but dying, if not dead, right? Is everybody aware of that? Which used to be the center of Christendom. Europe, and the point the speaker was making, and you'll hear this made in other places as well, was that the United States eventually is going to go the way of Europe, and there are statistics that indicate that belief, Christianity, is on the decline in the United States, and so it was interesting to hear, you know, his perspective on that, and it's not just him saying that, many other voices are as well. And the solution to that perspective that we were really talking about and discussing and brainstorming about while we were at the retreat. And so I had a good week. And uh, did everybody get, I'm curious, how many of you people get our newsletter here at the church? We had a a newsletter, we've got a newsletter that uh, comes out via email and you get a hard copy uh, in your mail as well. If you don't get that for some reason, make sure you talk to Jackie before she retires because she does such a good job of uh, keeping track of all of that. <clears throat> but we had a really good article this week by Denise Dias, really good message, concise, clear, biblical, something we need to hear. And, but last week I'd written an article about kind of setting the tone for this new series we're going to start called The Kingdom of Heaven, The Coming Kingdom of Heaven. And the, in the series it talked about how so many times People are looking for something. They're not sure what it is, but they know they're dissatisfied with what they have. How many of you see an election cycle looming right in front of us that is going to be the perfect indication that what I just said is true? You know, they say this every election cycle. This may be the most important election that you and I have faced in our lifetime. They say that every election cycle, it seems like, but I have a feeling this one is going to be particularly contentious and even nasty. And the bottom line is, people sense, they have an inner sense that the way things are isn't how it ought to be. They're dissatisfied. And they're looking for something to bring correction, to bring justice, to bring prosperity. They're looking for something. You know, people come to the church all the time. In our retreat, we found out, you know, Christianity is on the decline. It's all but dead in Europe. And I can't help but think. Many times, people bring those same dissatisfactions to church with them looking for answers to solve the problems that they see both in themselves and in the world. 
People have a dissatisfaction. They're looking for answers in politics. They're looking for answers in the church. They're looking for answers many places, and they're usually leaving dissatisfied because they're looking in the wrong places. You know, we're going to approach the topic in this next six weeks, the coming kingdom of heaven. And in my newsletter article, I had written what a guy named E. Stanley Jones had written. He's a famous missionary to India. He was personal friends with Mahatma Gandhi. And in one of the the books that he wrote, The Unshakable Kingdom, he made a very profound point. Everyone is dissatisfied with what they have, and rightfully so, because they're looking for something they aren't even aware of, and it's the kingdom of heaven that they're looking for. They're looking for it in politics, and they're leaving disappointed. They're looking for it in the church. And usually, many times after years, they're leaving disappointed. They're looking for the kingdom of heaven, and many times E. Stanley Jones would say they're not finding it in the church because the church has lost that message. You know, Jesus talked about the gospel of the kingdom, E. Stanley Jones would say, a hundred times in the gospels. Jesus spoke about the gospel of the kingdom, and it is the only thing that Jesus referred to as the gospel. And so we're going to spend six weeks studying this topic. And I want to talk to you about the purpose of studying a topic like this. It's an important purpose. I want to read a verse of scripture to you. I'm going to read to you from Titus chapter 2, verse 12. Titus chapter 2, verse 12. And this is going to be one of the guidestones of our entire series, The Coming Kingdom of Heaven. Think about what is instructed to us by the Apostle Paul in this epistle. As you're turning there, a guy by the name of Stephen Covey wrote a book called The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Have you heard of this book? Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And it says, the second habit of highly effective people is to begin with the end in mind. How many of you know, if you don't know the destination you're headed for, you're already lost. Begin with the end in mind. Here's what it says in Titus chapter 2, verse 12. It instructs, that is the grace of God, it instructs us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live sensible, upright, and godly lives in this present age, in the here and now. Verse 13, as we await the blessed hope and the glorious appearance of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Think about this, church. In the context of this passage, what is it that causes us to live right now? It's hope in a future event. Here's what it would say in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 19. Hope. 
functions as an anchor for your soul and my soul. Hope functions as an anchor. It keeps me steady amidst the storms of life. It is hope that is described to do that. And it's hope in something very specific. It's hope in future promises that you and I are all waiting for. Now, let's make a distinction between two things. Your faith is something that you exercise here and now. Amen? Your faith is a muscle that you exercise here and now in present circumstances. Hope is information. Hope is information that's been revealed in Scripture that you and I are certain will happen at some time in the future. Do you see the difference? Faith is something that I exercise here and now. Hope is something that I have in something that is coming in the future that I am living for presently. And so the, the point of this series, the point of this series is to build your hope to focus your hope, and to inform your hope so that you and I can live more clearly with more, in more strategic ways here and now. We are going to build and inform our hope through this series. You know, there's a guy by the name of Bill Hybels. Has everybody here heard of a guy named Bill Hybels? He's a very well-known pastor, Willow Creek, Community Church in Chicago, uh, many of the most prominent Christian leaders in our country today, upcoming guys, uh, men and women, follow this guy. He's kind of like a figurehead of uh, modern evangelical Christianity. And he has this saying that many of his followers have picked up on and, and lead, and they, they're kind of guided by this saying that Bill Heibel says all the time. Bill Heibel says all the time, I believe the local church is the hope of the world. Doesn't that sound like a good statement? You know, here's the thing you're going to find about in life, in Christianity, in following God. You're going to find that if you don't have your hope or your expectations set on the right target, the world, your family, your schools, popular culture, if you don't have your eyes set on the right target and if you don't know why, there will be all kinds of scripts provided for you that will fill in the blanks that cause you to miss the target. And listen to me. That statement provided by Bill Hybels is one of them. I believe the local church is the hope of the world. You know, millions upon millions of people find themselves coming to the local church looking for that statement to be true and they're leaving dissatisfied. They're looking for the kingdom of heaven. They're longing for the kingdom of heaven. And they're finding it, they're looking for it amongst law, uh, broken, fallen, sinful people. 
in the church, just like me. They're looking for it and they're looking to find it in the church amongst fallen, broken people. And they're not finding the satisfaction that they're looking for and they're missing it because they miss the point of the church and they miss the hope of the gospel, which is the coming kingdom of heaven. Here's one of the important things we want to understand as we approach this series, as we approach this topic. The church is not the kingdom of heaven. The church is not the kingdom of heaven. Let's talk about what the kingdom of heaven is, and then let's talk about what the church is. The kingdom of heaven is something that we do have in part here and now, So the kingdom is already a living reality among us in you and in me through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, the enabling ability of the Holy Spirit, both in us and through us. So the kingdom is already a living reality, but it is only seeds that have been planted that are growing slowly and being expressed in imperfect ways in us and through us. So the kingdom is a living reality here and now, but we will not have the kingdom in its fullness until Jesus Christ himself returns to the earth. That is the blessed hope of the church. That is where our expectations should be set for justice, for prosperity, For righteousness being fully and completely expressed, that is where our expectations should be set. That's what the kingdom of heaven is. It is God bringing about justice and righteousness through the return of Jesus Christ and the resurrection of the dead. Amen? Now, let's talk about what the church is. And we need to understand ourselves properly. The church is God's recruiting and training ground for the kingdom. Are you with me? This is who we are. This is what we're to be about, recruiting people to the kingdom and training them in the kingdom. This is what we're to be about, and this is where our expectations should be set. We don't have the kingdom here and now in its fullness like our hearts desire, but we're committed to training for that kingdom here and now, so that when it comes, when it's manifest, we will be ready to take our rightful role in that kingdom. The church is God's training ground and recruiting ground for the kingdom of God so that when it is realized, we'll be prepared to take our part in that coming kingdom. And so one of the principles that we need to function on as we go through this series, and if you're a note taker, I would write this phrase down. It's an important phrase that we need to understand in regards to concepts like the kingdom, uh, sanctification, uh, prosperity, physical health and healing. And the phrase is already not yet. Already not yet. The gospel that we have here and now really embraces both of those principles. Here's an example. The Bible teaches in the book of James that if anyone is sick among us, 
Let them come forward and let the elders of the church anoint them with oil. And the prayer offered in faith will cause that person to be well. It's James chapter 5, verses 14 through 16. So we have physical healing available to us through the finished work of Jesus Christ here and now. Amen? But it's also true that every single person in this room is going to die. I think you guys are aware of that, right? I mean, that's a reality we all need to be aware of. And if that's news to you, I'm sorry that I broke that to you. But every single person in this room, at some point, your body is going to break down and die. So we already have physical healing, but we don't yet have the perfect health we're going to enjoy at the resurrection from the dead. The already not yet principle. That principle applies to a lot of things. We already have righteousness planted in our hearts. So we have been made perfect by the finished work of Jesus Christ. We stand before God, holy and blameless because of the finished work of Jesus Christ. But not one of us actually walks in that perfection, do we? Already, not yet. We will have that. Whenever Jesus returns and we're given our resurrected body, all of the fallen aspects of our mind, our body will be removed. We will have perfection. The already not yet principle. And so what we're looking for is the coming justice and righteousness and prosperity, we're all looking and longing for those things. We're looking in the wrong places most of the time. But all of those things will be realized at some point in the future at the return of Jesus Christ. Let's go to the Gospel of John, chapter 15. I'm going to cover three agendas of the kingdom. And then I'm going to cover the context in which those agendas are going to be met. So John chapter 15 is Jesus teaching us three agendas, three priorities that are going to be realized in the kingdom, really that I believe every person deep down in their heart is longing for. They're usually looking for them in the wrong places, and eventually they leave dissatisfied because they didn't know where to properly place their hope and their expectation. John chapter 15, I'm going to start in verse 5. This is Jesus teaching. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. This 
is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Three agendas. Jesus Christ has set forth that are to be expressed in their fullness in the coming kingdom of heaven. And I believe these are the basic longings, the fundamental longings of every person's heart. First and foremost is the fullness of love. The fullness of love. Paul tells us that now these three things remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is, can you finish that for me? It's love. The longings of every person's heart, the fullness of love. In the coming kingdom of heaven, God is going to remove everything that hinders the full and the perfect expression of love. Number two, the fullness of fruit bearing. Every one of us longs to be productive and effective and to make an impact on our surroundings. The fullness of fruit bearing is going to be established in the coming kingdom of heaven. We are called to be fruit bearing now, but usually, I don't know if you're like me, I'm usually frustrated over the results. Anyone else like that? I'm usually let down. Sometimes I try really hard uh, to really make an impact and you plan for weeks and months and years and, and you train and you recruit and then you come to it and the bottom line is you, you leave that wondering, was that really worth all the effort I put into it? You know, usually our efforts bear a little bit of fruit here and now, but we're usually frustrated and disappointed. The fullness of fruit bearing is going to be a byproduct of the coming kingdom of heaven. The results will match our effort and we will be satisfied. Number three, the fullness of joy. The fullness of joy. I would say there's going to be a sense in which we're going to have this kind of emotional response to our circumstances that communicates this, there's no place I'd rather be. There's nothing I would rather be doing, no one I'd rather be doing it with, and no one I'd rather be doing it for. That will be a constant and abiding sense of our circumstances in the coming kingdom of heaven. And the kingdom of heaven is the context in which every one of these priorities is going to be realized. I want to read to you from, last verse of scripture I'm going to read from. <clears throat> Genesis chapter 1, verse 28. These are the priorities, the fullness of love, the fullness of fruit bearing, the fullness of joy. We already have these things in part now. We already have them. We do not yet have them to the extent or the fullness, not even close of what we're going to have at the return of Jesus Christ. 
Genesis 1.28. I'm going to close with these concepts. It's going to be so much territory to explore with this, this topic, the kingdom of heaven. We tend to have this picture of eternity, again, that's been colored by popular Christian culture. But God tells us his game plan from the beginning. It's right there in the book, chapters of Genesis, Genesis chapters 1 through 3. God's game plan is right there in front of our face. It's very clear. How many of you know that an omnipotent, an omniscient, and an all-present God has a plan A, and he doesn't need a plan B. God has a plan A. It's right there for us in Genesis chapters 1 through 3. He doesn't have a plan B, because let me tell you something, church, plan A is going to work. And here's what it says, <clears throat> Genesis chapter 1, 28. God creates uh, man and woman. God blessed them both and said to them, be fruitful, be a fruit-bearing person, and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it, rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. There you have it. God created the earth and the heavens. Originally, they existed together. There was no separation between those two things. Human beings had a face-to-face -face relationship with God. He created them to be fruitful. That is, to, to work, to use their will, their ability, their creativity, their imagination to increase the raw material that he had provided them. They lived in bodies on this earth in a face-to-face -face relationship with God, and they were told to take what God had created and to increase what he had given them. This is the plan, church. It has not changed. This is the plan forever. At the coming kingdom of heaven, at the return of Jesus Christ, we know that Jesus is going to return as a resurrected man to this very earth. He's going to resurrect us from the dead in physical bodies. We're going to live on this earth forever underneath his leadership doing that very thing. That's plan A. That's the only plan that there is. We're created to be in a face-to-face, -face, transparent, and intimate relationship with God and with each other. That's why Adam and Eve were said to be naked and unashamed. We're called to live in intimate, deep, transparent relationship with God and with each other. We will have that whenever the kingdom is realized. We're called to use our will, our creativity, and our abilities to improve upon and to extend the good things that God has created. And let me tell you something, church. 
No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has in store for those who love him. Think about the amazing things we've developed only in the last hundred years. Think about the knowledge that has been acquired only in the last hundred years. And I can only imagine we're just scratching the surface. Just with the raw material that God has created, this earth, the heavens and earth that God has created, there are so many ideas, so many utilizations of the raw materials God has in store for us to do together. There's no end to it. So the coming kingdom of heaven, this series, we're going to explore concepts in the Bible that aren't going anywhere. Here's one that might encourage you that might not. Farming. Farming. In the Old Testament, the Jewish people, when they were projecting that whenever Messiah comes and he establishes the the reign of God on the earth, one of the things they're going to get to do is farm their own land and enjoy the results. It's all over the Old Testament. And we know that we're going to need food in the coming kingdom of heaven, because Jesus in his resurrected resurrected body ate fish, didn't he? You know, that's one of the things that God has planned for us to do, is to harvest the resources of the earth and to use them for all kinds of plans and purposes. There's all kinds of ideas we can explore that are right there in the scripture that we don't tend to think about in regards to what forever or eternity is going to be like. In the Old Testament, the Jewish people had one mindset. They had the mindset of life on this earth with the Davidic king, a human king, making life good for everyone. The Old Testament is mainly about that. The New Testament, Christianity, is mainly about Jesus as God and worshiping him in the environment of heaven. That's mainly what the New Testament is about. God's plan is to bring both of those ideas together into one. This is what it says in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 9 through 10, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. God is going to bring both of those realities together into one. We're going to have the supernatural environment and resources of heaven openly manifest, energizing and enabling us in ways that we can't imagine. We're going to have unrighteousness removed from the human relationships of this world. And we're going to have relationships with each other that are deeply meaningful and satisfying. Listen, there's continuity There's continuity between what we're doing in this life, the relationships that we're building in this life, and the things we're going to be doing in eternity. I believe that many of the friendships and relationships I'm building here on this earth right now, God is going to harness and utilize in the age to come. And? That excites me on the one hand, and it scares me on the other. But listen, 
God is going to make everything right and good and satisfying and energizing and joy-filling and love-inducing. And we're going to be really glad that God is God and that we're not. Amen? Let's close with a word of prayer. I just want to pray over this, this series and just ask God's blessing over me uh, to just see what he wants to say, be able to communicate it clearly, uh, just enable you to be able to listen and hear what I am saying and what the word of God is teaching, uh, that the Holy Spirit would just enable you to enter into this picture of the future that's designed to be an anchor for our souls in the here and now amidst the frustrations, the setbacks, the toil of life, life under the hot sun. Many times our work produces nothing but thorn and thistles. It's a result of the curse that was unleashed on us because of disobedience. Father, we just embrace a focused and informed hope. Not a pie in the sky picture, not a fairy tale picture, but a real focused and informed hope for what you have planned in the future. Father, I pray that the picture that you paint would take root in our minds and hearts. Holy Spirit, that your power would cause seeds to grow and just produce stability and strength and perseverance in life under the hot sun here and now. Holy Spirit, just grateful. Give us the topics to cover. Give us the scriptures that you want highlighted. Give us the paradigms that you want in place so that our life is filled with joy in the midst of all of the dysfunction. We have joy because we have absolute confidence that the picture you've painted for the future is real and it is ours. So we're grateful for that. Look forward to what you have to reveal to us in the coming weeks. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.